I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Y'all better grab your extra large popcorn. We are in the thick of things with great films. I am open and positive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Let's throw okay. on these boxer gloves. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive on a new release that's just hit theaters or streaming. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Now, before I intro this week's film, I am issuing a spoiler alert. Uh, we will be discussing All of Us Strangers in its entirety. So if you'd like to see it before hearing our thoughts, this is your warning. You've been warned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. In All of Us Strangers, Andrew Scott plays Adam a perpetually lonely gay man living in London who's struggling to start writing his latest screenplay. He is greeted one night by Harry, played by Paul Mezcal, a neighbor who's had a bit too much Japanese whiskey and is also suffering from the disease that is loneliness. That night, Adam does not invite Harry in, but eventually the two do strike up a romance. This is the fifth feature from writer-director Andrew Haig, and the one he's calling his most personal film yet. All of us strangers ask the question... Have you worked with your inner child lately? Mm. Um, Edison, first impression. All right. So I saw this on the weekend at a Sunday matinee. And typically those shows are pretty dead. Like there's no one intended. But um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, like not a lot of people. But it was actually like about half full, which... Mm really kind of caught me by surprise. Yeah. Um, but what pleasantly surprised me. So I was happy to see people turning out to this. Um, I honestly wasn't sure what to expect with this film going in. And actually, I realized afterwards that I had kind of confused this with a bit with Passages, the film with Ben Wishaw and yeah. Adele Exarchopoulos, yeah. which is like about a love triangle with a woman. So truly, I did not know what to expect when I went into this movie. And so when it opens with this like dramatic score and the sunset over London skyline and this lighting is so sumptuous and sort of poetic. And there's this slow shot of Andrew Scott's face, like slowly coming into reflection in the window. And then the fire alarm goes off. And it's this whole long, quiet sequence of him, like leaving the empty apartment and heading outside. It was very abstract and slow. And I, I was like, wait, what is this movie? It was <laughs> just m- more like ruminating or whatever than I was expecting. But I was really excited for it. I was like, all right, cool. What's this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Sinclair? Well, yeah, this has a dreamlike quality when it starts. Yeah, very abstract, very reflective. There's something that's already feeling like very metaphysical about this. It's very hypnotic. When you first meet Adam, He's such a dream, Andrew Scott. Mm, like I know, he, he really feels is. like a dream. I just, oh, I just find him so just lovely and captivating. Uh, he's yeah. so soft spoken. He has these soulful eyes. You know, there's mm-hmm. those shots of him, and he's just being so introverted and lovely. And uh, anyway, could go on about him, which we will. We will. Um, <laughs> but the style of this film, it does feel very intoxicating and. Even when we first meet Paul Meskel, mm. there is something... Talk about intoxicating. Yeah, dreamboat number two <laughs> comes on the screen. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, he's such a dream as well. And there is like a darker quality to him. It's not the same energy that you're getting from Adam. There's something where he's, you know, he is drunk when we meet him, but he's very 
there's something mysterious about him and he has that great line he says there's vampires at my door and I found that line just so intriguing and I was just kind of caught up in this right away and also just great sweaters (laughs) right off the bat like the sweater game so fantastic in this Andrew Scott sweater and then Paul Mescal comes in and that like 90s throwback retro sweatshirt I was like wow dreamy (laughs) Helen Helen? yeah I I really liked the opening of this movie with the sun rising over the skyline and then yeah we start to see Andrew Scott's reflection in the window as the sun hits a window (laughs) another Mm. window Mm. um, and then illuminates his face and I thought it was just a really beautiful opening. It it guided me into the movie. And I found it memorable because there's a lot of times where we do our first impressions where I'm like, wait, how did this movie start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this one, I took note right away. Okay, this is a cool opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, storytelling. Okay, so this is actually based off of a 1987 Japanese novel called Strangers by Taki Yamada. Um, And it was then adapted into a Japanese film the following year called The Discarnates. Really? Um, Yeah. I'm actually really intrigued to see that adaptation. Oh, my Um, God. I I did not know that. I can't wait to see that. mm -hmm. And it it is. I read a synopsis of it. And, you know, there are similarities, obviously, to this film. But it is also quite different. Um, And I really want to read the book, too. But uh, we basically have two narratives happening in this movie. We have the narrative of Adam interacting with his parents and then the romance happening with Harry. Mm. And yeah, I mean, the the relationship with the parents, you know, to me felt very much like like I kind of said in the opening, like working with your inner child and like Mm -hmm. what was Mm -hmm. the trauma that, you know, you experienced in childhood that is still with you as an adult and kind of reconciling that that relationship or lack of a relationship with his parents because he lost them both of them before he turned 12 mm-hmm. you know so that's one part of it there's there's mm-hmm. <laughs> things you know to talk about with this movie that as i said there's going to be spoilers but i want well, to know how you guys on... interpreted this movie <laughs> yeah i mean i think that this film is like i i, I found this film to be way more than I expected way more dense and thematically interesting and just like more than I expected and to touch on that point yes like this is a story about basically one man's journey kind of and the shackles of his past and all of Mm -hmm. our past really Mm -hmm. like pain Mm -hmm. grief loss they can literally haunt you and you can go through your whole life kind of lugging them around like a ball in a chain and this is about this guy Adam's journey like digging up and working through all of that all of the pain conjured by ghosts of his past that maybe he can so that maybe he can let it go and find some peace and move on Mm -hmm. and it's I felt like it was in some ways kind of like a warning sign showing us how crippling it can be when we don't come to terms with the pain in our past like grief Mm -hmm. is a fucker trauma is a fucker or if you do it alone exactly and at a certain point we have to let people in and we have to let them go and we have to move through it even though it feels so good to fall into this fantasy world where everything is as it should be 
and that's a trap that I think is universal with everybody in some regard, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Adam is grappling with in this film, and I thought that was a really profound story, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because he's a writer as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this already feels like it could weave in and out of reality in that way too. You know, what is he writing? What mm-hmm. is he experiencing? Is this whole movie a writing exercise? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much weaving in and out of reality and going beyond what we perceive to be possible in in our reality. You know, we don't know what's in his head. We don't know what's really happening. And we don't know what's on the page. There's certain moments in this, too, where it switches things on us. And, you know, even the scene yeah. where he's in the park and he sees... Jamie oh my Bell. god, totally. You think that he's going to hook up. He's cruising. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was, I was like, oh, yeah. I hope there's a Jamie Bell love scene. And then I was like, oh, yeah. please oh, let no, there not be one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, it becomes clear that that's not what's happening. And you don't quite understand still who Jamie Bell is. And then you realize it's his parents at mm. the age when they died. And it's interesting to watch someone work through their traumatic experiences internally like that. Mm. And is it meant to be an internal journey? Right. You know, are we supposed to do that before entering in a relationship? Are we supposed to be all together before we take somebody else on do you need mm. somebody else in order to reconcile with your past like it's an interesting like question. when harry jumps in and he in, is in that one moment and he goes wait what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here it's like well that's yeah. what happens when you let people in yeah it's just that that choice we have to make you know do i work on myself alone or do i let someone in and let it be a process with someone else yeah so okay I need to bring up the ending because I feel like I can't talk without bringing that up and then using that to talk through the rest of the movie. But we discover at the end of the film that Harry is dead Mm -hmm. and he died that night that he first came to Adam's door to say, do you want to hang out? And Adam said no. So they never actually had a relationship, even Mm -hmm. though we've been seeing this relationship play out for the entire movie. Initially, when that happened, I was so angry because this movie was already so sad and I felt like Mm -hmm. I needed that relationship to be real and to succeed for this movie to like bring me up at the end in Mm -hmm. some way. And then it just like fucking knocks you down. But then it did make me think all these other things about Mm -hmm. when it comes to his interaction with the dead people in this movie, is he interacting with their actual ghosts Or is it his internalization of who he thinks these people are? Because he doesn't actually know Harry at all. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't know anything about him. So did he create this character in his mind of who Harry would be? I think it's intentionally open to interpretation. Mm -hmm, It could definitely be I think it could definitely be either. For me, I took it as 
this entire love affair was just uh, his imagination. He's a writer. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of this is about him trying to come to terms with his grief and his Mm -hmm. loss in his life, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, people turn to art or turn to whatever to do that. He's turned to writing. He's, that's what he does professionally. But it's, maybe it's, it's like tagging along all this extra stuff. He's creating a fantasy, this whole story, the relationship. It's so easy to slide into that, but you're not living your life. You're not getting through it and actually being out there Mm -hmm. and going through it all. Right. His job is to write fiction, to imagine mm-hmm. conversations. He's a screenwriter. And so I think that part of that was a like, OK, wait a minute. In order for me to actually confront this thing, I need to grapple with the reality of life and pain and all of this and not live in this fantasy world where I have this literally perfect boyfriend who's like the most doting and wonderful and considerate and patient and everything sexy. And yeah, because we never really learn Harry's story. You know, and whatever he's imagining is not necessarily how that would play out at, at all. It, it, and it makes us as a, an audience kind of fall in, a relate, fall in love with their relationship that oh. never was really there. It, it, ha- it kind of has an atonement quality to it. Yeah. It's the same way you kind of feel like at the end of watching Atonement. Yeah. That's I have to comparison. also say, like as a gay man i don't know if this is a unique i doubt that this is a unique experience to us but and you all have known me for years this very specific thing of conjuring fantasy relationships with people mm. who are <laughs> not available or who aren't mm. real or who aren't mm. whatever that's endemic within us because we grow up not being able to experience relationships yeah. and mm. i think that there's it's speaking to that like he has to actually face the reality of being vulnerable with an actual human not this fantasy story that he's created Mm -hmm. but that could very likely be me projecting but it's you know this is written by him and and it's a story this is like such an internal this this felt like Mm. such an internal story to me even Mm -hmm. where he lives it's so empty there like it felt like his own purgatory like his own this is what i was gonna say maybe he's dead too hell i actually did have the thought that like maybe he's in purgatory yeah like only him and harry exist in this building like maybe they're both dead and maybe this is him like working his way into some sort of an afterlife well it even says too like when he finds harry's body at the end he goes down like down levels and Harry mm-hmm. says to him, like Harry's ghost says, like, what are you doing down here? Mm-hmm. You know, and that just gave me the chills. She said, Dante, what you yeah, doing? Yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. that is interesting. And I love this too, because you're right, Helen, this could also be taken as the sixth sense of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it's like he is actually communicating with these ghosts and they're here, mm-hmm. you know, he has to sort of, help them on their way and they're here to guide him and all the rest Mm. of it Uh, I don't know I guess you could you could take it either way but I think the apartment of it all is just meant to sort of represent the loneliness loneliness. Yeah. yeah I think so too I just this left me with a lot of questions and it left me angry and like I enjoyed this movie I think it's a good movie but it really did like leave me with like emotional blue balls or something well, i agree but, but i the, don't know that i actually liked the i, I yeah. like i think i recognize his choice and i can see the meaning and the purpose in it i don't know that i liked the ending right 
Yeah. To be honest, I I have I've been sitting with it. I've been reflecting on it. I know I'll watch this movie again. I I I don't know that I that it worked for me as a successful film ending. Right. I also wanted something from it, but mm-hmm. but I kind of still get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I liked the ending because it is sad, but the way <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, but it does end peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, you know, coming back to the song at the end and the lyrics, like there is a closure to it at the end. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're attached to something that never really existed. It was only a possibility, you know, Mm -hmm. and what is Adam going to take from this experience now that he has purged all of this, Mm -hmm. you know? And maybe he will ma- he will be more present and more available to see these possibilities because he's he is now missed out on somebody because he was so in his head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so lost yeah. in himself. Well, and I like to see, you know, we see that element of sort of self-reflection in self-discovery a lot. <laughs> a lot there are a lot, a lot of, of mirror <laughs> motifs and reflections mm-hmm. in this film yeah. for sure it's all over the place in the windows in the elevator in the lobby of their apartment building in actual mirrors in the bathroom after he has that conversation with his dad which i will also talk about after and they hug and then he sees himself in the mirror but as his 12 year old self yeah. and this mirror motif is something that's used in filmmaking quite often right mirrors have all kinds of different types of symbolism in film from self-reflection and discovery to the duality of the self to and often they can represent a sort of distorted or skewed perception of reality or or a blurred line between reality and fantasy and Mm -hmm. i think this film is kind of doing all of that very intentionally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, yeah now how did we feel about the scenes with the parents and especially i want to bring up the christmas scene because Mm -hmm. This, I felt like, you know, setting some of these memory pieces at at Christmas, Christmas evokes a very specific feeling and Mm -hmm. it's the merriest time of year, but also it's the saddest time of year too for so many people. And I feel like depending on how you grew up, Christmas really reflects how you feel (laughs) at the time about your childhood. Um, And... I, I really felt watching the scene like scene you could you could just it was a feeling you know mm. memory is a thought but it's a feeling mm. and I don't know it just felt very lived in mm-hmm. the Christmas scene to me a lot of the stuff with his parents did feel very specific even just you know their what they were wearing and mm-hmm. also great sweaters <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um but it, yeah, it was it, the interesting thing about exploring this theme of like I'm going to you know have a conversation with my parents and work through these trauma from my childhood. That could become very navel gazy and yeah. cliched. Yeah. Oh, this and could it's have not. gone so wrong. This yeah. just truly could have gone so wrong. It really could have. And I think that with lesser actors, it may have. Yeah. But mm. the actors in this movie are so fantastic. And and like to speak to what you're saying, like the feeling of those scenes does just feel like 
this this memory as opposed to um a cliche of what you think this should be like it Mm -hmm. felt very very specific and real Mm -hmm. and i also just i just found these scenes to be just so i mean i was just weeping through the whole thing yeah me too you know it's such a weird thing like it's been so long since i like had the coming out conversation that i Mm. just it Mm -hmm. you forget that it is such a like impactful moment Mm -hmm. and it seems so absurd to that it's even a a conversation or something but like I can't imagine not being able to have had that experience not being able to have your parents know you and accept you and them leaving at at 12 right before you hit puberty right before they discover Mm -hmm. or intuitively kind of get the truth those scenes the scene both of them that Mm -hmm. scene with Claire Foy and also with Jamie Bell after, like, that was impeccable. Yeah. When she says to him, oh, you're going to be so lonely. And he says, no, it's different now. And she says, so you're not lonely? <laughs> Fuck me. Mm-hmm. Gut punch. Mm-hmm. And with his dad, like, it was so real, so well written. When he says, like, why didn't you check on me? And he says, I guess I knew I'd be, I would have been one of the kids that bullies you. Yeah. That honesty. Oh, See, this is him coming to terms with how he thought his parents would be and probably how they would have been. Mm -hmm. And in so many ways, times have changed, but for so many people, they haven't. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. It's a weird one because he's getting catharsis through this experience, but so are, I suspect, so many people who watch this film. Yeah, But it's also sad for the parents as well, because you're also watching the reaction of their, the parent, his parents seeing him grown learning about who he is and also not being able to like grow and change with him and with the times either and to never see where the world went Mm -hmm. you know so they are kind of trapped in that past mentality too and Mm. he does kind of keep them there you know like when he comes out the mom's reaction is pretty authentic to yeah what would be said at the time totally. yeah you know he didn't imagine some sort of like joyous Mm-mm. response it was like a realistic response to what <laughs> a mother would maybe say at the time so mm-hmm. it, it, well, letting your parents know what they didn't live to see too is the saddest right yeah <laughs> thing. but that's kind of what makes me think that maybe this is a purgatory situation because it's almost as if his parents have been waiting for him mm. and now he's finally here and he gets to tell them what his mm. life has been like as opposed mm. to like him intuitively being like, you've been watching over me this whole time. It's like, well, no, now I'm here. Now we get to catch up. I'm here now. Well, like, the truth is, is that there was a significant amount of this film where I did think that he was dead right. because, you know, you get the whole Though there was a whole bit where he's got this fever and Harry keeps yeah. checking his his forehead and he's hot and then he's got this cough and I was like okay he's dead or he's like going mm-hmm. through it in his final moments and kind of seeing his life before his eyes and then it ended up being that it was Harry who had died and whatever but I do think that that's very intentional it's mm-hmm. meant to leave be open to our interpretation and I, I just love that yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then what about their relationship Let's talk about Adam and Harry because I loved 
watching the evolution of this relationship, even though it wasn't real, but maybe it was, I don't know. (laughs) It was so intimate and, and sensitive and gentle. And I adored it. Like I, Mm. and that's, I think why I was so heartbroken at the end. I'm like, I Mm -hmm. I need this to be real for him. (laughs) No, me too, Helen. And when his mom is saying like, his mom is saying, be with this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, the age difference is interesting, too, to watch mm, them yeah. debate the meaning of what did queer mean to you? Yeah, yeah. And what does it mean now? And there was like oh, an in- interesting, interesting like, yeah. generational conversation that was going on, too. Yeah. It was yeah. it was relating to each other, but also at the same time, there's been differences in their experience of being gay. Right. Totally. But where they connect is through vulnerability, which is the truth of all of it. And I mm-hmm. think that the, the the most impactful scenes for me were the ones where this intimacy between Harry and Adam are growing and you can feel how Harry's warmth and just sort of uncomplicated like patience yeah. just mm-hmm. pushes through the protective shield that Adam has put up around himself. And Adam is slowly opening himself up. Mm-hmm. And there's this truth that even if we can't express it we all know it to be true which is that vulnerability is the key to unlocking intimacy and love Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even their first love scene on the sofa just like sort of touching each other's thighs and it's Mm kind of awkward and fumbly but and and nervous and harry is like are you okay and his hand is on adam's back and it's just so secure and you know that adam feels safe and and Mm -hmm. like uh, I don't know. It was just and I, so I loved beautiful. the consent in the relationship, too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like we see them, like, jumping on each other. It's like, can I kiss you? And it's like... Please, mm-hmm. you let know? Paul Mescal say to me, I, <laughs> kiss you now. Yeah, I, right. I do love that they focus <laughs> on the tenderness in this yes. and not the sex. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it was about the intimacy. It was about the tenderness. Yeah. And, like, Weekend has a lot of intimacy, too. Like, mm-hmm. his other film, mm-hmm. Weekend. But... Mm-hmm more sex Mm -hmm. you know this moved away from that it was really about like the little moments yeah for sure Mm -hmm. yeah well why don't we talk about the performances Mm -hmm. um this was like it's so funny because when the credits started to roll and there was like there were only six actors credited in this i was like oh right it's a really small cast it is um andrew scott who plays adam um what did we what did we think i I know that y'all love him because you both watched Fleabag. Fleabag, well, yes, where he Sherlock. plays hot priest. And Sherlock, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah, yeah, he's he just has... such a dream. I just, yeah. oh, I just love watching him. And like mm. nobody looks at co- their co-stars the way he does. Mm. Yeah, you know, he just he's so natural and he has this beautiful like introverted energy I, I'm really mm-hmm. surprised he didn't get an Oscar nomination for this Me I too. thought it was just like one of the most like lovely performances of the year he has yeah. I think the kindest eyes I've ever seen yeah they're so open it's unbelievable like like you say like watching him look at other people was beautiful mm-hmm. I think this only works because of him like this movie doesn't work without that performance a hundred percent not 
and it is a lead and and i do think it was an oscar worthy performance as well i think it was very technically impressive too like mm-hmm. you have to think he's he, see how that character changes from the beginning till the end like yeah. he's so everything is so inside it's introspective in in his literal performance at the beginning right and then it's as like things escalate it's it's outward and it's become growing and more and more and he's expressing all of these emotions it's it's a really nuanced um transformative performance Mm -hmm. i thought he was incredible and it would be so easy to make this like a emotionally masturbatory performance Mm -hmm. and it wasn't that Mm -hmm. like he's very emotional throughout this entire movie but it's so accessible Mm -hmm. like it is it doesn't, it doesn't feel like trauma porn either. Yeah, Mm-mm. no. No. And it do, you eh. know doesn't feel like narcissistic like Bo is afraid. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> working mm-hmm. through that trauma. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about kind eyes, I mean, we have to talk about Paul Mescal. Uh, yeah. Okay, I haven't seen After Sun, nor have I seen the series. What's the TV series? Normal people. Normal people. So I don't, I only know him as the internet's boyfriend and see yeah. pictures of him where I'm like, okay, but like, I don't really get it. Well, holy I sweet know. thunder and flame in Christ. I watched this movie and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I get and it. Andrew yeah. Scott is kind of the internet's boyfriend too because totally. of Hot Priest. Yeah. Uh, Hot Priest, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just want to have a cuddle puddle with the two of them. <laughs> like, not. I don't even mean that in a sexual way. Like, I just want them to hug me. Like, I, they bo- I just want hugs from both of them. But beyond, like, Paul Meskel's like inherent sort of charisma and sex appeal and all of that i actually think that he this is a really like sharply tuned performance too where he's not giving anything away this character has to be mysterious due to Mm -hmm. the nature of who it is and he can reveal enough like with a line like that the vampires are at my door and little moments but still he has this like mystery that he's keeping inside and it makes you've drawn so close to this character we have to uncover what it is like Mm -hmm. who are you you know it's so good and there is a subtle difference between that guy you see at the beginning at his door and yeah the person that you see throughout this like imagined relationship there is a subtle Mm -hmm. difference like i said there was a little bit of a dark there is a darkness in his eyes there is like a, a sadness and a darkness when he says that line and you can differentiate between those two once you finally, you know, know the ending. Yeah. Well, and you're right because like after in that opening scene, after, you know, he leaves, he kind of puts his head back and and goes like oh. and I remember in that moment it, thinking like, oh, this is him being like, ah, oh, fuck, I screwed that up. But then you realize, no, that was him saying, oh, well, I guess that's that then. Mm-hmm. Devastating. And for supporting, like, I'm, Claire Foy broke my heart. Absolutely just yeah. shattered my heart into pieces. She was flawless. I don't yeah, understand why wonderful. she doesn't have a support, Best Supporting Actress nomination either. Yeah. She was remarkable in this. Yeah. Like, that moment when she's looking at him and is like, you... You look like my dad. And that mm-hmm. moment before she says it, you see her looking at him and trying to place who he looks like to her. Mm-hmm. Like that's exceptional acting. <laughs> like 
Like yeah. she doesn't just deliver the line. Like it is there is the moment before she says it where she has the thought. She's forming the thought. Yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. And when she's like, You were just a boy. I know. It's like that speaks to what you were talking about, Sinclair, where it's yeah. actually so heartbreaking for them yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Never seen your child grow up. Like Ugh. Um And Jamie Bell, come I on. Know. I know this is a stacked cast. Stacked I will say I had cast. a little bit of a, like a hard time with Jamie Bell because the last thing I watched him in was The Shining Girls, where he played oh, yeah. a time traveling <laughs> serial killer of women. So, oh fuck, um, I was a little like he's he's bad, but yeah. he was great. <laughs> well, so I yeah. think I still have so much affinity from Billy Elliot that like I yeah. I can only ever see him as somebody who I'm rooting for. So yeah. like I loved him the second I saw him. And mm. then, like, that, especially in that scene with um, Andrew Scott, it was just, like, it's just so good. They're all so good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this movie really needs really strong actors, for sure, because there's a lot that they're carrying in this mm-hmm. film. Um, but it's got them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about technical? Yeah, I, I mean, the music is very prominent, Mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. very specifically curated <laughs> songs yeah big time yeah um yeah one of the the major songs in this is frankie goes to hollywood the power of love mm-hmm. and andrew haig wouldn't do the film without this song like he got the rights wow. to this song first before wow. he wow. even started working on the film he heard this song as a young boy and it just really stuck with him and affected him and so th- this was a part of the script like from the very beginning and this song is really representative of the Harry Adam relationship especially in the lyrics you can mm. you can just see the inspiration from these mm-hmm. lyrics so a couple of these lyrics um I'll protect you from the hooded claw. Keep the vampires mm-hmm. from your door. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the opening scene. Uh, the power of love, a force from above, cleaning my soul, flame on, burn desire, love with tongues of fire, purge the soul, make love your goal. Mm-hmm. So it, it is just really about like pur- purging oneself in, or- in order to love. I just found this very, mm. very appropriate. Uh, and then, the major song that was played with Adam and his parents mm-hmm. uh, was the Pet Shop Boys, Always on My Mind. And I love that it's a Pet Shop Boys version yeah. of it. Because it would be so yeah. good. Um, but one of the main lyrics in this is, maybe I didn't treat you quite as good as I should. Maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could. Little things I should have said and done. I never took the time. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. Mm-hmm. And that really does sum up that scene with him and Jamie Bell too Mm -hmm. it's just very great like synergy between Mm -hmm. the characters and and the songs I love I love that I loved the lighting transitions in this movie too yeah there's a lot of incredible lighting changes like the uh ambulance lights that we see when he's in bed sort of reliving the night that his parents died or the lights from the club right like mm-hmm. it 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 almost feels like a stage production 
this felt get... like a play for a lot yeah. of it i was like this could actually work really well as a play that's actually mm-hmm. yeah it really could and um, yeah i thought the lighting too was gorgeous and jamie ramsey was the cinematographer mm-hmm. um on this so the lighting the the camera work too the, like the warmth there was so mm-hmm. many warm so much warmth and this to achieve this sort of hazy dreamlike feel throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. it was a really beautiful like sumptuous film yeah it was well really i think beautiful. this what the cinematography did really well was mm-hmm. that there isn't like a hard line between reality and imagination a dream yeah. and past and present like yeah. it, it blends together yeah. really seamlessly so you are lost in it just as much as adam is lost mm-hmm. in it there is like no real definitive thing that's dis- distinguishing these different states of mind and these different states of consciousness which yeah i thought was really good because they need to blend together you know and and i don't even know like we still don't know what is reality what is not reality who's dead who's alive and no you're just gonna have to you're gonna have to just deal with that helen i know but i'm saying that you're gonna have to come to terms with this just as adam (laughs) had to come to terms with things in the film i know but i'm saying that i i appreciate that there there wasn't that differentiation because it allows us to not know, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Another one cool fun fact. Yes. The house was actually Andrew Haig's childhood home. Mm, that is. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Wow. Interesting. That is really cool. I think about my childhood home a lot. So do and I. It, and, and it dream makes about me, it. And dream I dream about, about it constantly. And it makes me sad that I probably can't step foot in it again. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there, I can't like knock on the door and be like, you totally hey, can. like can- I've done that. I have. Oh, see, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Like to me, I can't picture myself going up, like knocking on the door and being like, hey, I used to live here. Can I just come in and just have a moment? Can mm-hmm. I just, just take a can I just take a little little moment, little trip down memory lane? No. Yeah. So did you get to go in, Edison? Yeah, this was so many years ago, like when I was in <laughs> university, but I definitely did go back to my childhood home and did exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> but there is something about that, those er- your earliest memories mm-hmm. and your first place that you lived, like it, it it's just tattooed in, in your brain, you know, in yeah. your memories. Yeah. And it's so significant. And then you think about it as an adult, like how many apartments have we all lived in? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I ha- you know have affinity for the places I've lived, but not in the same way as you have for your first, like your childhood mm-hmm. home. Yeah, this yeah. is where all of the trauma began. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so, what is the last word on all of us strangers, Miss Sinclair? I thought this was a lovely film. I really enjoyed it. Amazing performances, uh, incredible sweaters, and. <laughs> Honestly, some of the most intimate scenes mm-hmm. that I've I've watched in a long time in a film. I really liked it. Yeah. I did. I really I really liked it. Helen? Yeah. Oh. I had, you know, I was frowning. I had a grumpy face on at the end of this movie and I was mad at it. <laughs> but as I've sat with it and thought more about it, I can appreciate the that it's open to interpretation and that it's it's more than just 
it's it being sad Mm -hmm. there's more than that um and i do really want to read the book that this is based off of and and see the original film adaptation too Mm. so and these performances are just really this is like the creme de la creme of acting Mm -hmm. um edison your last word so for me i this film was so much more than i expected i thought it was a great tribute to the power of love um i also thought it was a really great tribute to writers Mm -hmm. in a way this very special and like vital ability to dive so deeply into your own psyche and experiences to process your grief and trauma and then channel all of that depth of emotion into a work of art into a story that moves all of us the audience that allows us to reflect on our own lives and our experiences with pain and love and fear and loneliness and heartache and Mm -hmm. somehow find catharsis in it I appreciated that it was a very specifically like gay experience but I do Mm -hmm. think that it has universality that everybody can connect to yeah yeah and I just thought it was a really beautiful, beautiful acknowledgement of the power and like necessity of a storyteller's work. Mm-hmm. Well said, Edison. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me. If you would like to get in touch with us, our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome. Uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find season seven episodes of Talk Movie to Me on YouTube at Talk Movie to Me Podcast. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And you're always on my mind. My favorite thing about the Pet Shop Boys is that, like, he can't sing. <laughs> <laughs>